G'day, Osha here. Thanks for downloading the show. If you're new, I'm just here at the top to let you know that you might be hearing an ad here, all right, because I have a few people that work on the show with me, Andy Ma, my audio producer, Rachel Barrett, my EP, and um, I need to pay them to keep the lights on because they do really good work. So if you hear an ad, thank you. If you don't hear an ad, you're going to hear Dave Hughes say something quite profound. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Breathing is such a miracle that the fact that we are conscious is incredible it's bizarre and i do not want and we never know when our last moment on this on this planet's going to be it could be at any time you know there's examples every moment of every day where someone's just living their life and boom it's over i don't want that last moment to be me worrying about what someone said on the internet or me worrying about anything that is stand-up comedian and broadcaster dave hughes and this is better than yesterday Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Thank you so very much for being here. I really appreciate you being a part of the show. If you've never listened to the show before, this show does what it says on the box. Just hopefully helps you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Something you hear on this show going to help you make today better than yesterday. That's a guarantee. I've been here since 2013. Mondays I'm here with a guest. Fridays I'm here with you. There's over 400 interviews and, I don't know, 200 or so episodes I've done on a Friday. Yeah, I'd love to you to dig into some of the back catalogue and, and enjoy. If you've never listened to the show before, I'm Osher Gensberg. I'm a TV host. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a, someone who pulled a 100-kilo deadlift after a hip replacement 
in December. So I did a PR of 100 kilos on a deadlift the other day. And I had my hip replaced in December, so I'm pretty fucking stoked about that. Took a while, but I got back to the ton. So I'm pretty happy about that. If you want to get in touch with me, super easy. Send Osher email at gmail.com. If you have been living under a rock or you're one of the people who says, I don't watch commercial television, that's fine. But there's a TV show called The Masked Singer on at the moment, and it's a show that I'm a part of making. I'm one of about mm, 80 to 120 people, depending on the post-production process that we're going through it that week, who make this show, and it's a fuckload of fun. We're absolutely destroying it. There's a lot of Australians that really love it. Well over a million people watching each episode, which is big, big numbers these days. Couldn't be more proud of the incredible work that everyone on the show does from every single person, from our production runners all the way up to our director and our network EPs. Everyone in between is doing the best work of their lives and it's just the greatest. And we have, I think, two more shows to go. There's tonight, tomorrow night. And one of the people I work on this show with is a stand-up comedian and a radio host and a TV producer and TV presenter, Dave Hughes. Yeah, Hughesy. He's currently on the radio on Today FM as part of the morning crew. And he's also one of the guessing panel on The Masked Singer. He also has a TV show called Hughesy, We Have a Problem. He's a fantastic human being and a true, true delight. He's a dad. He's got three kids He's just lovely to be around. The first person I told in the industry that I had stopped drinking when I was working on the project with him, uh, God, 10 and a bit years ago now. And he's someone who hasn't had a drink for, God, since he was like 20 or something, 19. He's an amazing guy. Just turned 50, still runs every day and a great human being. We caught up after he got off air with his breakfast show the other day. And so he was getting into late night hours for me because they normally get up at 3.30 or something. So it was about 11 a.m. by the time we spoke. So I'm really grateful that Husey came on the show. And I honestly can't wait for you to hear this. Whatever you think about Dave Hughes, you're about to have to do some thinking again. Enjoy. If you have a, anything to say to him, he loves a bit of tweeting. You can find him, D. Husey, at D-H-U-G-H-E-S-Y. Uh, hopefully he'll be out gigging again soon at davehughes.com.au. Enjoy this chat with Dave Hughes. How are you going? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. So, you know, it's, um, it's a weird year, no doubt about that, but I'm trying to get, you know, find my inner peace, as we all are. I'm sure you are as well. I guess finding the inner peace for me, I don't know about you, it's become, I've had to do it far more deliberately. It used to kind of take care of itself a lot. Like I've obviously been deliberate about it more recently, but it used to take care of itself a lot. Like interaction with human beings and exercise and stuff like that just happened me going through my day. But being locked down, I found you have to be really deliberate about it. You do. I agree. And it is something that is, uh, yeah, hopefully we can take it with us for the rest of our lives. This, um, the fact that you can control your inner life, you know, when your external life you can't control sometimes, which we've really found in the last 18 months, but you still can and you do control your inner life and no one else does control it. You do, you make every decision about your inner life. No one else can make it for you. Yeah, you've been on this podcast before. Is that something you've come to more recently? It's solidified, I think. Obviously, we let our mind race away. You know what that's like when you let your mind race away and you 
you get in bad mental habits of thinking negative stuff. But it's making realizing that you're making those decisions. No one else is making them for you. You're the one who's choosing to dwell on that, and and you can choose not to. But it's a tough leap to make, though, Husey, because once we realize that, we give up blaming other people, <laughs> places, and things for why our day's not going well. Yes, that is true. And once you do that, yeah, it's actually really powerful, and and I recommend it for everyone. And I'm no way near a perfect example of it, but I, I I am trying, and that's all we can do is to to realize and catch ourselves moment by moment, and not hold on to stuff that's uh, you know offended us or we thought was unfair, and just live now. And once you do it, you really can just leave behind all that all the negativity. Negativity seems to, and bizarrely, I, I just don't know, like the entire time I've known you, like not only from when we first met, but from when I actually remember meeting you. Uh, if you want that story, you can listen to the early <laughs> version of this podcast. The entire time I've known you, you have only ever come across as a, a positive person who who just really wants the best for everybody. What has blown my mind in the last two years or so, people come at you publicly and I'm like, I just don't understand it. Have you thought about why people come at you? No, look, I think when you're a comedian and people don't get your jokes, uh, they take it personally, and I honestly do believe that. And um, this sounds like this is ego. It's my ego talking, and I'll, I'll accept that. But people don't understand the levels I work at, honestly, as in in comedy, and it offends them. But they don't see why other people could think I was funny because they don't get it. And, and so in that way, they lash out. And it's, for me, it's honestly, they haven't seen the light. And I'm, I don't give up on those people. I, I think one day they can see the light, even though they might write on the internet, oh, he's not funny, he's never been funny. One day they might realise the joke. And I, I, I honestly believe that, mate. So that's one thing. So when you've got that and you combine the fact that over the last 18 months I have been online, I've been uh, vocal about, Things that I've seen governments do, uh, which I think are incompetent or just not helping the population, I've been vocal about that. So combine those two things, someone who doesn't think I'm funny in the first place because they're not alert enough or aware enough of what I'm doing, combine that with they're not happy with my politics. And, yeah, they will definitely um, get very vocal online, basically. So, yeah. But I've, I've dealt with... My name's trended a lot on Twitter, for example, which is the only really thing I go on. And you, I know you're on Twitter as well and you know what it's like so yeah but I, I do it because I, I, I express myself there and I could have given it up many times but in a way I, I do believe that being well, the victim so to speak of pylons has actually helped my life give up worrying about what people think. So talk to me about that because I've I've never had my own name trend on Twitter. I might have come close, but it's only ever been for my hair doing something or a suit I've worn. Yeah. Every time I've seen your name trending on Twitter, it is a stacks on. And I don't know how I could cope with that as a people pleaser. I don't know how I could cope with that. It must have been confronting the first time or two that it happened. Yeah, look, it is, but, you know, I've done many things that have got popular appeal over my career, you know, like opened the Logies a number of years in a row and, like, slayed the room and, you know, had thousands of people online say, you're brilliant, you know, like, and that's happened. 
But that never really made my name trend on Twitter. The first time my name ever trended on Twitter was when on the AFL footy show, I did a, a stand-up spot a number of years ago, which didn't go well, you know, because I was, I didn't hit it right and I was mocking James Hurd, who at the time was a coach of the Essendon Football Club and his team had got caught up in a drug scandal similar to what happened to, I think, the Cronulla. Was it Cronulla, I think? Anyway, so it was – and my name trended on Twitter and that's through negativity. So generally your name will only trend through negative stuff. So I think – I can't remember. It's happened a number of times over the last two years and it is – it's absolutely ridiculous, but it really – it's only a few vocal people. It's not really – the online world is not real world and it's just people trying to lash out at something. So, yeah, over time it's become less of a concern for me, to be honest. Has it kind of pushed you to a point where, as we just talked about, you've got to make a choice of how you react to it? Has it pushed you to a point of, as a comedian, you want everyone in the room to have a good time? That's that's when you step on a stage, that's your job. Has it pushed you to let go of attachment to getting the approval of an audience? Yeah, absolutely, and and I've said this before, and I'll say it again because it's really uh, for me. It is it's it speaks to a place which uh, makes me happy when I'm when I'm in my best doing stand up comedy. You know, you you might be in front of a room of a hundred, two hundred, five hundred, a thousand, or fifty people, whatever. When I'm in my mentally toughest and when in my happiest, I can look out to a room. Say there's three hundred people all laughing, but I can see someone who is not laughing, someone who is just looking at me like I'm making them have a bad time, like they don't think I'm funny, like they think that everyone else is wrong. And when I can look at that person having a miserable time and when that makes me laugh, I can't be beaten. It's when you look at someone who is looking back at you like you're the worst person in the world and that amuses you, that's when I'm at my strongest and that's when I'm at my funniest because life is ridiculous, you know, and it's... And you don't need to have everyone's approval to find it funny. It is, it is. So yeah, I, I, part of me over this last eighteen months enjoys trending. I love it. I must say, I actually love the fact my name starts trending. So, but every now and again, I look down and think, "Oh God, am I trending again?" And then, oh, you know, I am. But I'm actually look. A lot of people online go, "I see your name trending. I think you must have said something terrible." And then I find out what you said, and I thought, "What are they talking about?" He's just actually spoken sense. <laughs> not everyone's going to be you. Not everyone's got, you know, a big breakfast radio profile or a primetime TV show. But people will feel sometimes through social media or they'll put, you know, a photo of their kids doing something up and they'll they'll feel the stacks on from their internet community or whatever. Yeah. So what have you learned about detaching? Uh, look, I... Uh... You can turn it off and it doesn't exist. It honestly doesn't exist. It's in you only, you honestly, and this is from someone who's had, you know, literally thousands of people write, well, apparently write negative comments about them. It doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter. It is just words that doesn't mean anything. You only ever live inside your own head and you make all the decisions about how your mood's going to be and no one else is making them for you. You're making them yourself. So, yeah, I, partly, yeah, I believe that these two years of, of me trending on Twitter has actually made me a, a wiser person and uh, someone who is more comfortable in life. What about when you face, I don't know, you know, you, you drive to work and, you, you know, you're stuck behind a truck or, you know, you can't get where you want to go. Surely part of you is arcs up. Surely part of you is like, oh, come on, 
surely party wants to blame an externality for your emotional feeling on the inside. Well, yeah, I do, but it's it's not worth it, honestly. It's like I, I go back to this breathing, and it's the corniest thing you can say, but the act of breathing is such a miracle that the fact that we are conscious is incredible. It's bizarre. And I do not want, and we never know when our last moment on this on this planet's gonna be. It could be at any time. You know, there's examples every moment of every day where someone's just living their life and boom, it's over. I don't want that last moment to be me worrying about what someone said on the internet or me worrying about anything. It's just crazy. And again, I practice I'm practicing and I'll never be perfect as no one will be. But um, yeah, it's really that mindset, you know, and my son, actually, my, I've got three children and what I love about them is they love to laugh and they honestly don't take life seriously. And my son turned 12 recently and just as a joke, or I just thought, oh, what, what's the secret of life, mate? And he said to laugh at it. And I thought, my God, that kid has, I wish I had that at 12 because I didn't, you know, I took life so seriously then and I worried about anything anyone ever said to me that was negative, you know. That kid, maybe he's found the secret of life to laugh at it. <laughs> when did you come to this kind of thinking? At what point, you said you didn't grow up like that. At what point did you start to look at it as, and you're right, consciousness is bananas. Like we're, rocks don't think about each other. You know, <laughs> we're atoms contemplating atoms, and it's bananas. It's just impossible to accept that the carbon molecules that make up my body and your body were once a jillion light years away, you know, and then some gigantic explosion happened, and from an impossible combination of biology and physics, <laughs> we have evolved into this thing yes. that can think about itself. Like, it's bananas, and therefore, once you accept that everything that we see and do and think about, we have invented. Once you accept that we could also reinvent it, yes. it's fucking mind-blowing, man. Mate, every moment we should just be going, wow. Yeah. We should be like every moment that we're alive, we should be like the first you know, cone we've ever pulled where we're going, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> I mean, this is what, what? That should be us all the time. But we spend most of our time worrying about bullshit. <laughs> so when did you come to this? Oh, sure. I come to it all the time and I remember it all the time. Yeah. I'm nowhere near perfect, but it just it just slowly it occurs to me or just it happens again. It's just I just have these, roam, these moments where I go, hang on, fuck, it's amazing to be alive. And it's, I don't know, man, but it, we just, we just should be wowing it the whole time. Should be wowing it, you know. I had to go to a Buddhist retreat in my twenties to even begin to scratch the surface of this kind Mate. of thing. Like, where? How did you get exposed to this kind of thinking? Well, you know, what a Buddhist retreat is something that I definitely similar experience. I got. Ex I went to a Buddhist service back in Perth when I was living over there at the age of uh, twenty-one, I think, and sat. You know, where you sat in a room with uh, you know a monk who led the congregation so to speak and uh, for half an hour no one was allowed to speak and and I honestly thought fuck that that I grew up in the in the Catholic church and you know I've been to many church services over many years but it was more powerful that half an hour of not speaking 
because I thought at the end of the half hour, no one had spoken any bullshit. <laughs> and, I could, and it's that silence that we all, we all end up going back to. That's the joy. That's the real stuff. That, that what is it? It's the awe and the mystery of whatever this is. And we can, we can choose to acknowledge it and revel in it, revel in that mystery and that great beyond is it something that you you practice? Is it is that you have a practice every day? I I meditated yesterday, and I meditate most days. I've had many years of of not doing that. Whenever I do, I never regret it. It's like someone who exercises; you don't regret having exercised. But then you think, why didn't I exercise for the last month? And meditation is very similar to that. Is in it is well worth it for any moment, anyone. And people might be listening as I say it to people. They go, I can't do it. I say, yeah, but even trying to do it means you are doing it because even sitting there for five minutes with everything shut and just quietly, at least you're acknowledging the fact that your brain is hearing and you're, you're noticing those thoughts. And that's all. Of, meditation is just noticing the thoughts that you have and the more you notice, you know, hopefully the more they sort of just drift to the background. So... Yeah, meditation is a great thing for anyone to do. And you can do it anywhere. Meditation is just being where you are at any moment. You know, it's like it's driving driving without the radio on. I mean, I'm on radio, so it's a terrible thing for me to say. But if you can drive without the radio on, say for 10 minutes, and then just you're in the moment. So anytime you can switch off all the, the bullshit around you is, is, is a meditation. Because that's the big thing. People have this misconception of meditation that if I meditate correctly, my mind is quiet. But that's not really what it is, is it? No, it's just noticing what you're thinking. It's just that it's it's stepping back and being the observer of that brain, you know. And as, as I say again, I say to my kids, you're producing all those thoughts. They're like a sausage factory where you're just producing thought after thought after thought. Just in your mind, if you can step back from that and see the production of thoughts, see how one thought links to another thought links to another thought, and that, that is meditation. It's just noticing of what you're thinking. I guess it's the popular culture is that when they, when they show a meditator, it's someone usually in a robe sitting cross-legged with their eyes closed and still, and the perception is like, well, they clearly haven't got, you know, oh, I kind of need to pee. Where's my shoe? I can't remember. Did I put the, did the cat out? Why is France so far away? Did frogs like chocolate? Like, you know. <laughs> They, they think that that's not what's going on, but exactly what you're saying, it, that person is sitting there probably just being mindful of their breathing. They're probably quite good at what they're doing, yet it really is noticing. I've heard it. It's like watching back when we could see a parade go by or watching yeah. a river flow past yeah. or just watching a freeway of traffic just going, oh, look, red car. Yeah. Oh, blue car, another truck. Oh, that's interesting. And you can either choose to stand in the middle of the freeway or you can stand on the side and watch it, watch it all go by. And in the noticing as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, in the noticing is the power to decide what you do about it. And I think that's the real key. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's those thoughts go past and you you can choose to, you know, be on that thought raft and get taken down the river or you can step back from the river and just see the thoughts go past and let them go. Let them go and don't let them take you down a dark hole, which we often do get <laughs> oh, taken man. down. Yeah, there was, there was a time in my life when... I was on a, a medication that wouldn't allow me to get to that point and um, I got quite downhearted that I couldn't reach this spot of that observance. But then someone explained to me, oh, this because you're on these meds. Your brain actually can't get to that point. Oh, okay then. And then as I changed meds, it got a little easier. And, in fact, on the meds I'm on now, it does become a whole lot easier. And, and I found sometimes even just 
if I use the words, if I put it through my verbal cortex, if I just say, I'm noticing, like I'm noticing I'm feeling kind of angry or I'm noticing I'm feeling nervous, that is enough sometimes to make me then, oh, now I'm observing that thought. I can go, okay, like I still have to ride out the adrenaline or ride out the, you know, the flush of emotion in my body, but at least I can hopefully make better choices in that moment. Yeah, look, being aware, is it's all about awareness and being aware of the fact that your brain is, it goes off on its own, but it doesn't really, you are actually making those decisions. But if you can step back from the thought process, you can see how the decisions are being made by your brain. And it's, yeah, stepping away and stepping back is is a very valuable thing to do. Absolutely. And I, I'm doing it more and more in my life and uh, I appreciate it. How do you find, t- like, We've done a lot of lockdown. Your Melbourne's not looking great as far as another lockdown goes. You've, you know, your your wife teaches. You've got three kids at home. How do you even find time in the in a house full of chaos and pets and animals and kids to to find space to sit? Well, you know, you can always find twenty minutes. You can absolutely, generally, you can find twenty minutes. But again, you don't. You can be meditating while you're doing the dishes. You can be meditating while you're picking up all of the rubbish that your kids have left on the ground, or that your dog, the dog poo in the backyard. It can be any moment and we should choose to treat every moment like a meditation. And it's, yeah, it's all about being aware of the fact that you're here now and that's it and this is amazing. Life is incredible. Every moment is incredible. And all the noise is bullshit. It's all bullshit. My dad, he, was, he didn't reach any great heights in, in, in a career at all or whatever. You know, he used to like go. He used to go fishing, and he would just put a rod in the river and just sit there and just stare. And I used to think, how can he do that? Now I just think that is wisdom, just to be able to sit there and contemplate the fact you're alive. That is all anyone needs to do. <laughs> Meditation is one thing that you do that helps your brain allow you to do what you do in your life and be. Uh, you know, a great dad, a great husband, and and great at your jobs. Tell me about the role that running plays in in your life. Uh, running's an easy thing to do. I love uh, again. That's a meditation. What I'm doing now when I run is I count every five breaths. So I just count. I just go breathe five times and then start again. It's a beautiful way to just get out and about. And I, yeah, I'm a big runner, and uh, yes, yeah, I'm out every day. So for twenty minutes, half an hour, I don't use headphones just my own thoughts and, uh, you know, I hit the pavement and I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely do. You take a phone with you when you run? No, although I do, I'm like, I do have my Apple watch sometimes, which is, but no, I'm not, no, it's not about, I, I like to check how fast I'm going. I definitely do that. So, and I like to run to time. So I like to, I'm 50 now and I still run pretty quick. I can do just over four minute Ks for. Fuck me. You know, That's fast. Pace. So That's <laughs> people go, I saw, I ran past a woman the other day and she said, I would never expect you to do this. I'm like, I run every day. <laughs> <laughs> just don't look like I do apparently. So, but any exercise surely is, is a valuable thing to do. When you run, do you find the hormone release hits you to get that uh, 20 minutes, half an hour. I don't know. Is that enough time? It used to, when I used to run, I can't run anymore. Uh, it would take about 45, 50 minutes before I got that real rush, that kind of run as high. Yeah. And I run, I try to run fast. So when you're doing four minute Ks, you, you, you get that quick. So yeah, I can right. do 4K and, and really feel good at the end of it. Oh. So yeah. If, if you run fast enough for it to feel good just by not running, 
by stopping, you get that high <laughs> because you're, you're like, you're, you're running enough to hurt. And so when you stop, you're pretty happy that you stop. So yeah, I like the intensity of running quite fast. Not everyone's going to be able to do four minute Ks. What would you say to someone who's going, oh, geez, I'd love to run more, but that all sounds too fast and too much. Uh, I won't even start. I would, I mean, again, like anything, you don't have to be the best in the world. You just have to do it. And I would say, just get out there and look, I, again, I know that we're both vegans. Yes. So, and, uh, I must say, I'm, we've talk, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but that has helped me at the age of 50 to be able to run and not get injured. I think being a vegan's helped that a lot. It's two years now of being a vegan and I'm not getting injured at all. So no soft tissue injuries. And I, from the age of probably 30 to 48, I would pull a muscle every three weeks almost, you know, and I, I honestly think that being a vegan has helped me not pull any muscles in the last two weeks, two years. Two years, wow. I reckon from the age of oh, 35 through to, you know, as again, I turned, I'd become a vegan at 48. If I was living in a two-level house and sleeping upstairs, I'd have to go down the stairs sideways every morning because I would just stiffen up every night, now, whether I'd done a hard run or not the day before. And now I'm running every day and I'm walking down the stairs every morning frontways like a, like a someone who's not, you know, got aching bones. It's incredible. It really is. It's crazy. Both, both my parents were doctors and they used to say, well, mum said one thing and dad said the other about getting older. Well, dad, he was a rheumatologist, so that it was rheumatic disorders and arthritis and things like that. Dad said, as long as you move every joint in your body through its full range of motion every day, you'll be all right. And yeah. that kind of blew my mind. And my mom said, after the age of 40, your body has to become your hobby. Whatever it is you want to do, as long as your body is a part of your hobby, you'll be fine. So that means that the, the movement and the exercise yeah is a part of the thing that you do. So standing around repainting model trains, probably not. Golf, great. Orienteering, great. Surfing, great. Whatever it is that you want to do, cycling, great. As long as your body's your hobby, you'll be okay. Because she would just see just the just hum precipitous decline of lifestyle outcomes for people who are, you know, stagnant and not moving. Well, we, we don't put enough focus on it. It's, I mean, I know it's been said many times, but over the last, you know, two years, thinking about COVID and not getting the bug, but, yeah, we, as a society, we don't put enough focus on the fact that the best way to stay well is to to be proactive, you know, and to to move and to eat well and, and to make choices that can keep you joyfully, you know, healthy. You do get a lot of joy out of being a dad, don't you? Absolutely. I, it makes me laugh every day. My children are really funny. They're, re I mean, they're very disrespectful. And the other night when I was shaking my tail feather with George Columbaris in the feather duster thing that he was doing, and then I was doing it on the, on the behind the desk, and then you said your kid's going to be embarrassed right now. We were watching that on our big screen TV at home, and my son at the time was saying that he wanted his he wanted bleach so he could pour his eyes out. So before you said what you said, he was already saying this is the most embarrassing moment of my life. And then you said it, but you were talking to him through the flat screen as he's sitting there watching it. It was just a beautiful moment. It was a wonderful moment. You said it in the group text, you're like, my 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 son wants to implode from embarrassment. It's delicious. <laughs> you're like Colin Robinson and what we do in the shadows, just feasting. Feasting <laughs> on the awkwardness. Mate, I love it. I honestly love it. I, don't, I, I just love it. I love, I love the silliness of that and the fact that they're so embarrassed by me.
Yeah, but that's all. I mean, that's why I think that's why dad jokes are so great. No, you just embarrass your children. It's so like, like fart in front of them as loudly as you can. You seem to be, despite, you know, we're in a, the world's kind of tricky right now. You know, Victoria's COVID cases going up. We've just signed up to be nuclear friends with America. Europe's shunning their back on us. China's upset. It's a fucking scary time to be alive. When you were thinking about having kids, did you think about, oh, the world's kind of scary? No, no, not really. I mean, I was never, my wife, she's a very um, uh, maternal. She honestly wanted to have kids uh, like three months after we started going out, you know, and I was like, she was 22, I was 31. It was like, you know, I've done jokes about this and I'm like, you know, let's just have fish and chips tonight, you know, let's not worry about kids. But she's always wanted to have kids and um, I never really thought about it, to be honest. And I've never thought about the world and how it will end up for them. You know, I mean, even though I'm making good choices in, you know, that I don't drink, I, I've stopped eating meat. I know that's great for the environment and not, not enough people link the fact that eating meat is bad for the environment. That's That drives me insane, to be honest. I, I often walk past global warming protests and I just want to yell out, you guys eating meat? All right? You eating meat? <laughs> so I'm doing the right thing in many ways, even though, as you know, when you talk about it, people just hate you for it. So I can't. But I, I again, I want to go back to every moment you're alive is a blessing. And the fact, meanwhile, I've been able to three, bring three you know, children into the world and they've, they've already enjoyed the majesty of the world. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to worry about the future for them, even though obviously I want the world to be a good place for them. I'm choosing not to worry for them and I don't want them to worry either. I'm not saying I don't want them to make the right choices to, and I don't, I'm not saying I don't want the powers of be to make the right choices because I do. And I, and I want us to protect the planet as much as possible. And I, you know, I love looking at a tree and contemplating a tree and thinking some, there's a, a book I read recently called the, I think it was called the understory. And it was, it was a novel, but it was, it was based on trees and, and how majestic trees are. And we don't even think about how majestic trees are most of the time. They're incredible, incredible mm. organisms. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I can't remember the question, to be honest, but I want my children to enjoy life. Yeah. And I say to them all the time, respect the planet and, and you know, and they tell me to shut up, basically. <laughs> you, over the past 18 months, as you mentioned, you've been quite vocal about public policy and from what I gather, watching the comments you make, they all kind of stand in a place of fairness for all and and just kind of calling out of double standards. I think that's the main thing that really, from what I observe to you, is a calling out of double standards. Well, hang on a second. How come 30,000 people can go to a football game, but we can't go here. As we go yeah. towards the next six months, you know, and we're about to see politicians probably not hit the campaign trail because of lockdowns, but probably be in our news feeds and in our Facebook ads. What are some things that you think people should kind of look out for and be wary of? Well, I think that, yeah, politicians that are mindful of, of not creating double standards. And, uh, and I've had, when ScoMo was, you know, travelling from Canberra to Sydney every weekend or most weekends to visit his family at Kirribilli House and and, you know, I know people who have, you know, sick relatives in Canberra and couldn't go from Sydney to Canberra because they're not allowed to, but he's allowed to. These sort of things aren't, they should annoy more people, I reckon. And people say, but he's the Prime Minister. I go, but he should be setting an example. If the normal person is allowed to do it, he shouldn't be doing it either. So, yeah, I, I really, you want politicians who are, who think more, basically. 
who aren't so narrow-minded. So, you know, and whatever side of politics you're on, I don't care. I've always been a Labor voter myself, but I've been very uh, annoyed with the Victorian government, who are a Labor government, and people go, you're anti-Victorian, you're anti-the Labor. I say, I've always voted Labor. I'm not anti-Labor. I'm just, you're dealing with the government in front of you, you know. So to take the time, it is important to vote and to hopefully get someone who's better than the other. We can all say they're all shit, but, you know, Let's get the least shit one. No matter who, you know, and I'm not saying who that is right now, but yeah. let, have a think about it, basically. You see, I won't mention names, but if I turned up drunk to work, yeah, it would be Welcome to the Mask Singer, I'm Dan McPherson. That'd be it. I don't get to no. turn up drunk to work. <laughs> Mate, it's, unbe- it's unbelievable <laughs> how people can accept people who are doing the wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. It's bizarre. It's like, fuck, as long as you're already famous, you get to stay in politics, apparently. So you know, that's what it seems to be the case. So yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying there. There's just so much. It actually does your head in, and it's not good for your serenity, honestly, to focus too much on it. And I've done it too much. I've focused too yeah. much because it does. Again, you're driving along, and you're not you're not being zen because you're thinking of the fucking ridiculous shit that goes on, and, and that people get away with. Yeah, and. It's not some sort of benign choice that's being made either. No, people are dying because of the choices that are being made, you know? I mean, I don't know what the news is right now. We're 20 minutes away from 11 o'clock when we're recording this, so Queensland hasn't said it yet. But, you know, to go from we have one case, we're going to lock down southeast Queensland to we've got six cases that have been out in the community for a week, but there's an NRL grand final on in three days, so we're going to make it. It's like, fuck you. Seriously. Mate, it's the hypocrisy that the hypocrisy just kills you. I mean, apart from the virus or whatever else, <laughs> but the hypocrisy, the one rule for one, one rule for the others, it, it drives people to distraction and you can't think about it too much. And that's why you've got to go back to your internal world, something you can control. Yeah. You know I mean, you can control your internal world. And that's something that external forces, they're not in charge of. You're in charge of your internal world. Just a little moment there away from my chat with Dave Hughes to let you know that it's not the first time he's been on the show. Oh, no. Hughesy came on the show brilliantly. Good Lord. Seven years ago? Uh, Episode 55 was the first time that he came on the show. And uh, we go right into the whole idea that the very first time I met him, I don't remember meeting him. The first time I met him, he gave me a Logie and I don't remember it. And we went right into that chat and it was pretty interesting. So that's all the way back in episode 55, which we recorded in a an apartment in Chinatown in Sydney when he was here for the Comedy Festival about seven years ago. And it's a really good, really good conversation. It's just back in this podcast feed. Just scroll on back and you can find it. You might hear another ad here. If you do, thank you. If not, we'll get right back to Husey. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When we're, you know, about to do the final segment of The Masked Singer, when the head comes off and you don't know who it is, I get the feeling that that's one of the great pleasures in your life, not knowing. Yeah, it is. And as I've said onto the panel, I, was, I think I've presented to you from the panel, that's the mystery and that is the joy. The joy of not knowing is just wonderful. So, you know, to be honest, that's why with The Masked Singer, I was so glad that we were able to do the show and get it in the can before it went to air because, as you know, the internet is in many ways a very smart organism and it can get people to a point. So being there without the internet and just not knowing I bloody loved it. God, I loved it. And I love all the singers and, you know, sometimes not singers, how they embrace that show. It's bloody joyful. What I love about it, and it's, you know, in in line with this conversation, I just adore that the entire show is absolutely meaningless. Yes. Silly. I love silly. I love it. I I know, I think you went on the cheap seats a couple of weeks ago. I went on it as well. And they're all, you know, they're getting serious about, oh, so guys, it's just fun. Yeah. If you can mock it, I don't care, mock it. I'm loving it. I love the fact you mock it. I love the fact <laughs> that you, I just love it. I love the, the silliness of it all. It absolutely doesn't matter. There's no money. There's no prize. Like there's a trophy we got off Gumtree. That's about it. <laughs> there's really, there's no, it's not even about who's the best singer. It's, no, it's, it's just, just about celebrating life. I'll show yeah. the fact we're alive and we don't have to take any of it seriously. No, we don't know We don't know who this is. Let's try and find <laughs> out who it is. That's it. That's the show. <laughs> it's and it's, I, I, it's, it's fucking amazing. And what I, what I also love about it is when the head comes off and it's been three seasons now, nearly every single one of them says, oh, this is a, the scariest and best thing I've ever done. Because they're people who've achieved, no matter what they are, they've achieved the greatest thing they could possibly have achieved in their careers. You know, we had yeah. Michael Bevan who, you know, in in 1996 did essentially, if you follow NFL, he did the Hail Mary pass of cricket. He won a fucking World Cup against the West. It was unbelievable. The final ball they needed, it was incredible. He pulled off this a feat of athletic genius that took him probably three seconds of his life, but defined who he was for the rest of his career. And then he did this thing. He put this mask on, dressed up as a hammerhead and sang a <laughs> silly song. And he came out of it going, "That was um, this is a guy who's probably played in front of 100,000 screaming people for five straight days in India. And he goes, that was amazing. I love that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree that there that. <laughs> I love that they're scared and I love that they embrace it and I love that when the, the head comes off, they, they generally have loved it as well. They've gone, that was, and yeah, but you've got to take a chance in life, you know. What I say to my children as well, I know I say, I say a lot to my children, you've got nothing to lose. We don't have anything to lose. There's nothing to lose because there's nothing there. There's never anything there. So you've never got anything to lose. <laughs> 
mean, besides shelter and food and warmth <laughs> and love. You know what? I don't even know how to say it, but I've, there's Buddhism and there's Tao. Is it Tao? T-A-O, yeah. you know, which is a, a thousands-year-old philosophy. And I was reading it recently and um, there was some wise old dead for centuries guy had written, you know, the wise, the really wise people are the guys or the girls who are happy to have nothing. They're like Jesus had nothing, you know. Buddha had nothing. They just did people who give it away. You've got nothing, and they, they, they the people on this people, the real wise ones. And that's a tricky thing to say, but the real wise ones are the people without an ego. People who are standing on the side of the road saying, "Give me two bucks, mate. Give me two bucks," because they don't have an ego. They don't care. And it's like I'm not saying. That, I'm just saying. I look. I think about that and think. People without an ego, I'm not saying they don't have an ego, but people who are not worried, I want two bucks. The beggars are the wise people. I'll shut the beggars. <laughs> I get what you're saying, and you did reference it earlier, but, you know, I know that my ego is a thing that has brought me great success and has brought my family comfort and has put food in our fridge and a roof over our heads, but my ego is also the thing that is the thing that has fucking caused me so much trouble. Of course it has, mate. Of course it has. My ego is the only thing that's caused me misery in my whole life. Again, it's got me to the point that people know my name enough to have my name trending on Twitter, but it's the the misery of the fucking ego. Comparing yourself to other people, comparing yourself to yourself, you know, just comparison. It's all ego-based. When my dad would just bloody put a line in the river and just stare out into the nothingness, God, there's so much to be said for that. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> the misery in comparison, isn't it? it? And yet our lives are consumed. I'm holding up my phone now. My life is consumed by a, you know, an algorithm that has noticed that I stop, for example, on, you know, I'll scroll, 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 and I'll stop on a picture of someone I know with their shirt off lifting a heavy weight, all right? And then the algorithm goes, oh, he stopped on that one. And then the next time I pick up my phone, it shows me more pictures of dudes around my age with their shirt off lifting heavy weights. And then I'm like, I should probably do more about what I'm eating and I should probably lift heavier weights. Like, I didn't come up with that idea. I've been incepted by this fucking thing in my hand, you know? It's shit. I get it, mate. I know it's shit. We've got, we follow our friends and they're all doing really well and it fucking kills us. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what, my wife is just a grounded person who sleeps well every night and is loved by everyone and is just happy. She said that she, at the age of 14 or 15, she decided to start being happy for other people and their success. And that made her life. She decided that she would be happy for other people being happy and it made her life. Like, what the fuck up? We all do that, man. <laughs> Holly, the wisdom of Holly. Man. Just be happy for other people. Be happy. <laughs> do you remember the song playing at Cherry Bar when you met her? No, I don't know. It's a rock bar. I can't remember the song playing, but I do. I remember her just, there was a couple of her male friends just uh, talking to me and then I still remember her face coming in. Over the top of them, I think they were shorter actually, <laughs> and that oh my god, that woman is the most stunning woman I've ever seen. You know, and I was a I was a guy who grew up with no girlfriends, mate, until I was you know I was so nervous about seeing girls. I went to an all boys school to avoid girls. Honestly, my 
brother and sisters went to the Warnable Tech, and I, I went to CBC just because there was no uh, there'd be no girls. There. I was so scared of girls laughing at me. So, so when this beautiful twenty two year old looked over at me and smiled, and I was thirty one at the time, yeah, I was very happy to see her. And uh, but that's twenty years ago now. My God, we're still together. Crazy. Twenty years is a long time, mate. Uh, what's the key? Uh, just you know, I think we do laugh at the same things and uh yeah i don't know what the key is but we're, we're very happy we are you know and we've, we've kept the, up the intimacy that's one thing i mean i know it sounded we get graphic but you've, i think you've got to continue to be intimate with each other physically intimate you know like don't don't ever let that fall away i know a lot of couples do let it fall away that's a bad idea you've got to keep that up. i think that's you know we're so that's one thing but yeah i don't know she, again probably her lack of ego and uh, her being able to um, tame my ego to a degree, possibly. When you disagree, and, you know, every couple disagrees, it's a yeah. fallacy to think that people don't argue. When you do disagree, do you find you're able to, you know, have an argument without using bladed weapons? Like, can you have an argument without having digs? Yeah, we can over the years, yeah. And, and again, we've got better at it. And I think I've got better at it where I'm like, you know, I'll just walk away from that. <laughs> and so, and again, not holding on to anything. Just don't hold on. Don't hold on to comments. Just, and it's, it's, that's great for your relationship to not hold on to anything anyone said. And so, and I, I don't do that as well anymore. So, yeah, she'll say something and i just, yep, all right, I'll accept that. It's accept, yeah. It's my, my, <laughs> My desire to be serene, I think, has helped in my relationship as well. So you are you realizing that this person whom I love has just said something that is kind of hurtful? I could hold on to it and justify my position and fight back against that, or I could let it go. Yes, yes, and just let it go. Just let it go. And it's yeah, we have sometimes we have ideological arguments, and then I just let it go. We're going to let it go. Well, she basically partly she claims that. That my, as you know, my on online um, vocalness is me just wanting attention, and I'm like, fuck, it isn't. I'm trying to change the world, you know. <laughs> but I have to let it go. That all right, fair yeah. enough. Just me wanting. Don't attention. worry, I get the same. I was, I'm doing a lot of Zoom <laughs> calls and stuff, promoing the show. So I'm in this studio, yeah. you know, that you're seeing me on right now. So people recognize the guitars and the pink yeah. wall. And um, sometimes I wear a, a t-shirt, and she's like. <laughs> Audrey says, "Like, would oh, you stop fucking virtue signaling? Every fucking t-shirt you have to wear on television <laughs> has to be about. Can't you just wear a fucking plain t-shirt once? <laughs> like, but it's the Australian Parents for Climate Action shirt, honey. It's like, I don't fucking. Get- we believe we're trying to make the world better, and our our most beloved other halves believe that we're just being wankers, basically. That's exactly right. She's like, you really fucking love yourself, don't you? Like, yeah, honey." <laughs> You're right. It's that same, the ego that's helped bring us this incredible life has jumped in and chosen my T-shirt for the day. And I have to be aware of that, that, yeah, part of me really wants you to look at my T-shirt and go, ooh, he's a good guy. And yes, part of me does. And I have to be okay with that, you know. It still doesn't mean you're not trying to do the right thing by other people, honey. Still, I'm still being selfless as well as being an egomaniac. Tell me both. <laughs> Mate, I know that I've done breakfast radio. It can be a total punish. You've managed to do it for a lot of your career. And so for you to stay back late and talk to me, mate, I really appreciate it. So thanks heaps, buddy. 
anytime. And I, I, you know, I love the way you think. And I love the fact that you want to continue to think and you're, you're happy to explore concepts and, uh, you know, celebrate this thing we call life. But <laughs> I'm just grateful that we've got a chance to talk about this because this is the kind of stuff that we talk about all the time. But I think when people look at you, they have no clue that it's, it's this is the machine that helps the Dave Hughes engine run. People d- might not understand that. And I'm grateful that you were able to share about that today. So thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Good on you, mate. So there he is, Dave Hughes. I hope you think a little differently about the world after listening to that. I hope that you're kind of holding onto your chair a bit, thinking about the person that can go out and just destroy the opening of the Logies and just slay every person in the room as someone who meditates and thinks about the incredible existential impossibility of atoms talking to each other and, you know, just revels in every moment of life. He's an amazing cat and I adore working with him every day. He's someone who really tries very, very hard to live in the moment and between him and his wife who's, you know, her philosophy of just deciding to be happy for other people's success. I think there's a lot there that I was happy to be reminded of. I hope it was the same for you. If you need anything uh, from Husey, you can find him in the mornings. He's on uh, Today FM in Sydney, Husey, Ed and Aaron, their breakfast show. He's also at D Husey on Twitter and DaveHughes.com.au for tour dates, hopefully, when we all get vaccinated and out in the world. <sighs> Thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, Masked Singer is on tonight, 7.30, and I think the finale's on tomorrow night. And that's it, loves. I'll be back here on Friday. I uh, hope you're doing okay. I hope we're all uh, heading towards safety and togetherness as we push through this. If you do need me, send Osher email at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. I'm Osher underscore Ginsburg. I've got someone working with me on Instagram again, so you can get in touch with me on Instagram again. I will find it. Thanks to Andy Ma, my audio producer, Rachel Barrett, my executive producer, Toe Hyder on the music, and you for listening. I'll see you Friday. Until we speak then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. 